Youngest. Yeah, she's the youngest and she looks after us, don't yeah. she? But she'll say, what should we do now? Should we go so-and-so? And we'll both say, we don't mind. What yeah. do you think? <laughs> don't we? Yeah. So we always let you make the decision and we're happy with it. Yeah. So as long as and it works. Yeah. It works, doesn't it? And I think with COVID, it's really brought us stronger together. You sort of realise who you're a bit closer to and who you're more okay with, like, almost like they drift away friendship-wise. So you know, like, who your proper friends are, I guess, over COVID. I think we've gone through a lot of things over the years. We've known each other for a long, long time, yeah. working together. Um, we've had ups and downs in our yeah. own personal okay. life, but we've always been there for each other. Yeah. And we know, as soon as someone's upset, which isn't often, we just know, literally. Yeah. Yeah. We just know, and we just say, like, what is it? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we just speak to each other. And we know whatever we say to each other doesn't go anywhere else. No. I've been just been able to, like, walk up to them, go up to the house whenever, and sort of sit down and have a chat. Like, just being able to, like, just not being, not being formal, meeting them, just being quite relaxed whenever you want to, yeah. Uh, do you know what? They're not friends, they're family. You can actually be closer to friends than you are family, can't yeah. you? And we are family. We are family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friends. Many seek the favour of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. Oil and perfume make the heart glad and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbour who is near than a brother who is far away. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Well, hi everybody, and welcome. Good to see you. We're looking at this theme of friendship. I want to look at it to begin with from a negative point of view, to help us differentiate friendship from companionship. That's, that's one of the uh, verses that we have in the book of Proverbs that, that, that speaks of friendship in, in many ways. It, it opens up different facets of friendship and it's a, a very helpful study of the subject. Uh, that verse, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. It seems to be distinguishing companionship and friendship. I think intuitively we know there's a difference. We know that there's a kind of relationship called friendship that goes further than companionship. But I reckon that probably in our 21st century age, we are less equipped to understand the difference than other cultures in previous times. I think friendship as a category gets a little bit confused and misunderstood in our time. We, we know that friendship is more intimate than companionship, but intimate tends to suggest something more kind of almost more erotic. It's like romantic or sexual. 
And we know that friendship isn't that kind of relationship, so, so, so what is it? And the difference between ordinary companionship and friendship well, there's two big things to say straight up. First of all, friendship involves a high level of openness and disclosure, honesty, sharing secrets. Literally in the Bible, that's how Jesus talks to his disciples. I call you my friends because you know my business. A, a servant doesn't know his master's business, but you, I shared with you all the things that my father has shared with me. Jesus talks about friendship then in terms of openness, sharing, disclosure. But also we understand that friendship has power involved with it. Friendship has influence. That, that friendship, our friendships tend to shape us. Sometimes in ways that we're not even aware of. Our friendships have power to influence our decisions. Let me use a few examples from this, this book of Proverbs. Uh, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Now, obviously, that's talking about companionship and not friendship, but it's, it, it's the same principle. The company we keep generally tends to affect us and, and, like I say, sometimes in ways we weren't even necessarily noticing. You go back in the book of Proverbs to further back to the very beginning, chapter 1 and verse 15, where Solomon uh, says this, My son, do not walk in the way with them, Hold back your foot from their paths. This is describing the kind of friends that uh, the king doesn't want his son to keep. Hold back your foot from their paths. Don't go with them. There's a kind of drifting and an influence that comes with friendship. Whether we choose it, accept it, or even anticipate it or not, it tends to happen. The people that we do life with tend to rub off on us. Their ways, their their assumptions and, and ideas, their, their, their preferences even, their tastes sometimes. They, they tend to cross the boundaries between, between different people um, by a kind of process of mysterious osmosis. We just pick things up from the people we do life with. And the friends we keep, therefore, are, are a big deal. It's a big decision. Friendship in the Bible is like electricity. It's a powerful force. And electricity is something that can be put to just fantastic positive use, but it can also be extremely dangerous. And, and we see the negative version of that varying from the mild kind of peer pressures that children and then teenagers uh, can be exposed to, dragging them into situations they, they would never have chosen initially, uh, or or groups of friends that become kind of self-absorbed or almost resistance movements, you know, like kind of us against the world, you know, friendship groups that, that, that cause people to get more entrenched in a kind of resentful or rebellious attitude towards their other relationships or other groups. Kind of cultic behaviour can creep in, in reality, because of, oh, we're friends, we're close, we get it, they don't get it, it's us against the world. And then perhaps even more monstrously, people can be brought to the point of doing things that they would have considered unspeakable. Some of the worst crimes in history, war crimes, that, that, that no one who did them would initially have been expected to do. That's one of the most worrying and striking features of the history of, 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 of crime and so on. So very often, the hinge was a friendship. I did it because, well, I was in that group of friends. I just got drawn into it. I was shaped by these friendships. 
So the Bible, in the book of Proverbs especially, faces that, that reality and warns us. God wisely counsels us to think intentionally about friendship. Yes, it's possible to drift into good friendships. It's also, it would seem, just as possible to drift into bad ones. And so to simply drift into friendships is not wise. To be intentional about friendships. Which friendships will you nurture and invest in and cultivate deliberately? Which ones will you not? Which ones will you perhaps even avoid for the, for the right kinds of reasons? Jesus, we're told in Luke's Gospel, spent the night praying before he chose his 12 closest friends, his disciples. He, he, he wasn't drifting into it. He didn't have them forced upon him. He didn't simply take what he was given. He chose deliberately in a place of prayer, which suggests a kind of high level of discernment on the subject. And friends, frankly, many of us, we pay way more attention to what kind of phone we have or what kind of shoes we wear than what kind of people we are really doing life with. And that is a perverse mistake. Surely this is a more important issue than any of those mild kind of byproducts of life. We need to intentionally seek out friendships that are good, that are going to be healthy, <laughs> that we won't regret, that will be fruitful, that will bring good things into life and other people's lives as well. So have you ever burned a bridge? Have you ever chosen a friendship or unchosen a friendship? I don't just mean unfollowed on social media. I mean deliberately, in real terms, chosen relationships pursued them or unpursued them for these kinds of reasons. That's the kind of thing that helps us to stop and reflect. Do we even know what friendship is? But let me, let me talk. I, I want to give some, some time to how we actually do cultivate real friendships. Because I, I guess most of what I've been saying so far, it, it, it assumes the value, the importance of friendships, the, the, the power of them, positively or negatively. But if we are to pursue positive friendships, how do we do that? Are there any particular steps? And I think that, again, the Bible's got wisdom on this uh, that, that we, we really need. One thing to say that's very obvious is that <laughs> the negative point, you, you don't pursue friendships. Well, you don't pursue them in the same way that you pursue a, a romantic relationship, for example. Um, and you certainly don't pursue friendships by obsessing or by stalking. If you're trying to build a friendship with someone, uh, I don't advise that you approach that person and, and, and sort of suggest after describing how you've been you know, watching them very closely from, from a distance for a while and just you know, spending time pursuing them. I'd, I'd really like to, I think you and I could be very good friends and I'd like to, I'd like to get time with you. And I, you know, obviously, kind of exaggerating, but I've seen this happen in milder forms, and it, it definitely doesn't work. It's counterproductive. You won't build great friendships. You won't get friends by stalking. You might get a knock on the door from the authorities. You won't get real friendships by, in that kind of ultra-obsessive way, pursuing people as, as though they were the goal, as though they were the quarry. A friend in themselves, it's, it's a kind of... It's probably something we, we, we all know by experience, but let's spell it out. 
romantic relationships look like face to if you could draw it as a diagram it would be two faces against each towards each other the face to face relationship the focus on each side is the other person the preoccupation is the other person someone who is in love and pursuing someone in love is focused upon that person and almost nothing else a friend it isn't quite like that a friend it's more shoulder to shoulder you you actually find each other sometimes by accident a real friendship can can start up in fact normally does start up accidentally in the sense that you you are sharing a focus upon something else and that's the way that you find one another maybe it's a cause that you share maybe it's just a a passion or a hobby an interest maybe it's literally a job it maybe it's a a professional relationship which which because you focus on what you're doing with your life with with passion it's not just your 9 to 5 punch in punch out i've got to earn my money so i do this but you, you you love what you're doing and so does this other person and in reality what grows in the soil of your shared mission is a real friendship that's pretty typical actually that may be everyone's experience who's who's hearing this message that we know in reality our friendships have been born out of focusing on something else together but it's worth bearing that in mind because it will protect us from pursuing friendships in the wrong way and and constantly feeling like we're chasing our shadow we can't quite catch up with this this goal because in reality it's not meant to be the goal not in the way we think it is and in fact the best way to build friendships is not to demand them if you demand a friend i just i just want you to be my friend i want you you just i need you as a friend you you know surely we we all know instinctively that's that's counterproductive so we we got to almost turn the other way to some extent and certainly we've got to be patient we've got to be prepared to sow before we reap you know we've got to be prepared to to give some time and patience before actually we might start to see the real result of the friendship developing it's worth bearing this in mind because sometimes a demanding attitude can can be the reason we're not getting anywhere and even the reason why we start to write people off well they're just not very friendly they didn't treat me as a friend or even whole churches this can happen well that's that's really unfriendly church and that 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 may or may not be true but be careful that your evaluation isn't really based upon a false demand a false level of expectation and you you're you're not quite seeing the way to develop and cultivate friendships and it's actually creating the problem rather than discovering it you're causing it so there's something to avoid that's the negative piece but let, let me just talk for a bit about some specific positives how to positively cultivate the kind of friendships now as i say i think these are things that burst out from from these very pages of proverbs solomon's wisdom is so practical some uh, sorry uh, proverbs 17 verse 17 a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity the 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 theme really of this verse that the the quality that's being extolled lifted up is loyalty uh, faithfulness constancy and that's that's not the only place in proverbs or, or or certainly in the bible where we see this 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 specifically 
um, what, this, this powerful quality of true friendship that makes it what makes friendship what it is. This this specific quality of, of loyalty, faithfulness. I suppose that this marks it out from mere friendliness. You know, friendliness isn't a bad thing. Fri- you know, friendly church is a good quality. We want to encourage the church to be a friendly place. But you can get the friendly atmosphere simply by quick behaviours, deliberately cultivating a friendly atmosphere. In, in fact, to be honest, it can be done just by having friendly people in the meeting, friendly-looking people, just smiles and a happy atmosphere and nice songs and so on. I, I, I want you to see that that's not the same thing as friendship because it's not been tested. That's the, the key point. Friendship is shown as it's tested. It's, it's demonstrated at the point of you know, investigate, examination, being pressured. And what's shown is loyalty, this key quality. We all know to some extent what it's like to feel let down by somebody who we expected more from, perhaps even somewhat betrayed. Sometimes we discover to our cost and to our pain that someone's spoken against us or acted against us while we trusted them, while we thought they were a friend. Think of it the more positive way. What about those times when you discover that someone has done something for you without them telling you? Someone has performed an act of loyalty and faithfulness towards you that you didn't even know about. I've had that experience once or twice in my life and just it's an overwhelming joy to find out Wow, I didn't even know that he did that for me. I found out later. This was such a friend. It was such loyalty being displayed there. And someone who's being loyal will do what he also says in chapter 17, verse 9. Whoever covers an offence seeks love. But he who repeats a matter separates close friends. There's such a thing as choosing to cover an offence. A true friend will occasionally have the opportunity to bear a grudge, the opportunity to show uh, their hurt in a way that's intended to project guilt on the other, but chooses instead to cover the offence. I can cover that. It will hurt me. I, I quite enjoy the opportunity of bearing a grudge. I'd probably get some degree of pleasure from it. But I choose instead to go through the painful route of just covering the offence. I'll forgive, I'll forget. It's the sort of thing I don't even need to bring up because I do value this friendship so much. True friends will do that out of their faithfulness and loyalty. But let me look secondly at at, at this other quality that comes through in Proverbs quite often, and it's Proverbs 25, verse 17. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbour's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. It's very strong language, but the, the, the idea is sensitivity, tact, emotional intelligence. It kind of comes out in a few other places uh, around here in Proverbs. In, in verse 20, whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. No idea what vinegar on soda is about, but I, I think it's negative. You know, Takes off a garment on a cold day, singing songs to a heavy heart, basically tactlessness, friendship, 
does have a lot to do with giving space, sympathising, understanding one another, even emotionally showing sensitivity to one another. And true friends need to learn this skill if they don't already have it. Some people are, are high on loyalty and high on the third quality that we'll come to in a minute, but they're low on two. Uh, this, this second one, sensitivity, sympathy. And it's vital that we learn this because we can think we're actually being uh, true friends when we, uh, when we actually, I'll, I'll use another example, 27 verse 14. Whoever blesses his neighbour with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as a cursing. My way with somebody who's going through a difficult time, somebody who's, who's got a heavy heart, as Solomon says in verse 20, at least a temptation that I face is to try and fix their heavy heart. I want their heavy heart to be dealt, I want it to be over because I like my friend to be friendly. I like my friend to be positive. I like my friends to be able to serve me and support me and help me. And that's what motivates some of our instinct to sort of be glib and insensitive to seasons and pains that friends can go through. Learning to be sensitive and carry one another in terms of friendship, even giving space, encouragement, whatever kind of genuine support emotionally the other person might value, that should be our concern, not instantly snapping them back to their normal self so that they can just sort of be more convenient and gratifying for our personal and even selfish preference. I, I see this in myself with, with, with individuals who, who I've sometimes, I've had to go back and say, I'm sorry that I, I, I didn't see the pain you were going through. I didn't, I didn't reflect on that. I just tried to correct you, sort you out. Now, there's a place for correction, we'll, we'll talk about that. But we need to be wise about the moment. And Solomon's trying to get our attention and say, think about, think about the way that you do. Think about the moment. Think about the, 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 the kind of way he describes it is kind of comedy. You know, waking them up in the morning with songs, speaking with a loud voice. Just, just brashness and insensitivity. Well, it's, it's even the Bible speaks about this stuff. This is ancient. It's not just, <laughs> it doesn't just touch you and me. It's, it's, this is all of human experience. Sensitivity intact in relationships is valuable and helpful. We should grow in the wisdom that's needed. Let's look at the third feature before we finish in, in Proverbs 27, verse 6. Perhaps one of the more famous uh, verses of uh, Solomon on friendship. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. The difference between mere flattery or politeness, niceness and friendship will sometimes be the ability, willingness, preparedness to wound. And so let's call this third one candor or honesty. Real friendship is, is built on a degree of genuine candor towards one another. This is uncomfortable for us because it, it can feel like disapproval. And in fact, in reality, sometimes it is disapproval. And that's where we make our massive 21st century mistake. We imagine that friendship is the same thing as approval. And so if somebody uh, 
reserves their approval on something we're doing or saying, if a friend of ours even has the temerity to just check us on something, ask us and, and question us, or, or even try to correct or rebuke us, well, we, we're staggered that they would, would, would be so outrageous. Who do you think you are? How could you? I thought you were my friend. How could, I thought you were my friend. How could you say that to me? Who do you think you are? I, I thought we were friends. And what we're doing there is we're making a false, a, a false identifying of friendship with approval, with constant <laughs> indiscriminate approval of everything we do or say. And friendship can't be like that. We know that doesn't make any sense. It simply can't work. Real friends must be the kinds that will at least occasionally, at the right time in the right way, be the sort that can just challenge, just question, just ask, just try to understand better with a candid approach. And this, is, this is clearly appreciated by Solomon. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, a friend who's prepared to wound. Not in delight. Any friend that enjoys wounding their friends is not a friend. You shouldn't enjoy it, but you should be prepared to do it because you love people too much. And you do want the best for them. So with honesty and courage, you act in candour towards them. And so it means a certain degree of openness, doesn't it? To be honest and candid with each other means to be willing to be known. If, if you have friends who don't really know you, you don't really have those friends. They're not friends as such. They might be the beginnings of friendship. I'm not wanting to down every relationship there may be the potential for more friendship to emerge but but in reality your friendships will grow in proportion to your willingness to disclose yourself to be open as yourself to share the secrets of your heart as the bible says that god does with us he confides in those who fear him he shares the secrets of his heart we get to do the same with one another and by doing that build friendship we don't do that without thought. We do it wisely. We do it selectively. Jesus clearly had a select group, a core group of very close friends. And he spoke to thousands upon thousands, but shared things with just close friends. And we are encouraged in the Bible to, to think similarly. Who are the people? Who is the inner court of your life? Who are the people that you're able to share with as much openness as possible, the truth about who you are and where you're at. You do it wisely. You do it selectively. And the reality is that this requires a certain courage. Let me just finish with this. It's a kind of paradox about friendship. It's, it's in fact, I think, one of the clues to this whole series about your people. See, the relationships that we are most healthy in are the ones that we also are prepared to hold lightly in the sense that they are not the most important thing. A, a relationship that, that becomes the most important thing in my life is going to become an unhealthy one. It just will. And it's kind of paradoxical. It's a bit like the saying, you know, he who wants peace must be prepared for war. If you actually, if a, if a, if a world leader you know, of a nation, wants their nation to live in peace. Well, the, the suggestion throughout history has been that you need to be prepared for war then. 
You, you must. You must prepare for war in order to have peace. You get peace through being prepared, being ready to fight, and sometimes literally by fighting. That's the idea. And it's, it's kind of similar, similarly paradoxical here. To think about our friendships like that, it doesn't necessarily come naturally, but we must learn to do it. A healthy relationship is one that you're prepared to threaten, at least occasionally. Sometime in its life, it needs to be threatened. It needs to be something where I, I, I know that this isn't the most important thing in my life. If it, if it comes to it, there's something I'm... I'm treating as even more valuable. Why is that important? Well, partly, and perhaps mainly, because it gives us the, the freedom and the vantage point to, to, to actually look at it objectively, to look at our friendship and even our friend without, in fact, being enslaved to them. Maybe you were with us last week and you heard Matt Carvel talking from 1 Peter chapter 2 about living as people who are free. Living as people who are free. That's the instruction of the Bible. To people who belong to Jesus Christ, we've been set free from the powers of this passing age that want to control us through Jesus, who died on the cross and rose from the dead. We are brought into liberty and freedom. Not, though, so that we can just live without any sense of involvement with other people in a kind of cocoon of our own personal gratification, because that's not freedom anyway. That doesn't make anyone feel really free, just to be constantly amused, pleasured and entertained. You won't feel genuinely free for very long. Real freedom will be known and expressed as we learn the one who is freedom, Jesus himself. As we come into relationship with him and enjoy him and trust him and know him, we're able to conduct our other relationships freely. We're not enslaved to them. We're not desperately worried about whether these people respect us or like us enough. We're, we're, we're okay. We can live without that. We can go even without friendship in that sense. We can allow each one to not come first because we know who comes first. There is a friend, as Solomon said, who is closer than a brother. And he's, he's describing the person this whole book describes. The one who said to his disciples, I call you friends. The one who is a friend of sinners. In fact, he scores high on all those three characteristics of friendship as we looked at them. His faithfulness is, <laughs> is exemplary, his loyalty, his faithfulness to the point of death, to the point of, to the point of horror. Jesus was faithful. Faithful, steadily, constant and faithful through the cross for our sake. He's incredibly sensitive, sympathetic, tactful. The way he shows sympathy to us in our weakness, in our need, in our flaws, brokenness, failings. He's gentle with us, compassionate with us, with our flaws. The things that we think would put him off, that he would be impatient with us and snappy. He's I'm always staggered by his patience. When I look at this book, and also as I've learned to know him by experience, his patience with me in my weakness, in my failings, is, is astounding. His sensitivity to me. He is such a good friend. And then finally, his candor. <laughs> it's not that he's not a straight talker. His honesty, his clarity, his focus, 
He will speak straight. He will speak in a way that sets us free. He'll speak honestly to us because he's a genuine friend. And as Solomon said, a true brother is born for adversity. And, and, and we say the same about Jesus, our elder brother, this friend of sinners, born for adversity. He didn't even have to be born. He chose to be born. He was born for our sake and for our need at our point of desperation. If you turn to Jesus, the reality is that other things can be lost, even friends. He said that. He said we need to be prepared to give up on other stuff, put other stuff second, including relationships, to have him. But the person who has him and the person who gets to know him again and again over the years, which we're all invited to, to cherish, to love, to experience, to walk with him through our lives, that person who's knowing Jesus. Are you knowing Jesus at the moment? Do you know Jesus? That person who does that will be able, actually, to live free from the enslavement of false relationships and enable to love people better. Because we're putting Jesus first, we can love other people out of freedom. Let's just pray. Father, we ask you to help us to conduct our relationships as those who are free. Free from all people, but free to serve all people. And to build friendships that are healthy, strong and fruitful. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Speak to you soon.